Good morning. What a beautiful morning for us to be together. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, I'm going to give a special shout out. It's actually my dad's birthday today as well. So happy birthday, dad, and a special happy Father's Day to him. Um, How great it is to have fathers who love the Lord and lead us in his paths. As a gift to fathers everywhere, I think, um, today we're also excited that we have Kid Street back online. Um, Our kids will be headed downstairs later in the service to learn about God and have some special time together. Our God is so good. He is a God of hope. He is a God who has prepared a path for us. Would you rise and worship him with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We rejoice in the hope we have in Christ. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living Lord Who could imagine so great a mercy What heart could fathom such boundless grace Yeah. 
This summer, Pastor Matthew is leading us through a sermon series on the Psalms that he's entitled, Hindsight is 2020. We started talking about how the Psalms orientate us to who God is and where he is at in our lives. This week, we're going to start talking about disorientation. And usually it's really cool when I'm planning a worship service and the topic for the week God kind of does something with in my life. But when it's disorientation, not so much. But it was a disorienting week for me. Maybe it was for you too. Maybe this whole year has been disorienting for you. Maybe there's been something that you have felt like you have been stuck in a desert, waiting for the promised land, sitting on the edge of a cliff saying, okay, God, why don't we go on paragliding? Because I feel like that's coming, but I'm still just sitting here. These are the moments when it's hard to wait. My child is currently obsessed with a Daniel Tiger episode about how it's hard to wait. I couldn't agree more. So as we come before our God to confess today, we're going to confess that it's hard to wait. Would you join me in this prayer? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. 
We come to you, O Lord, seeking answers to our questions. We come to you, O God, because you are the creator. But I have trusted your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. We come looking for a song to sing. We wait for your voice to call us from beyond our fear. Would you spend a moment in silent prayer with our God? I cry to you In darkest places I will call Incline your ear to me anew And hear my cry for mercy, Lord Paid the price. 
that all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. Let all who trust in him today find healing in his sacrifice. please rise with me and join me in the call or words of assurance. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? The Lord is my shepherd. Everything I need, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? He restores my soul. He guides me along paths of righteousness for the sake of his good name. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sight to my eyes or I will die. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod, your staff, protect and comfort me. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. You prepare a feast for me right in front of my enemies. You welcome me guest, anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with blessings. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. 
I will sing to the Lord because he has been so good to me. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord
a pardon for sin, a peace that endureth, bright hope for tomorrow. It's because of our God's great faithfulness that no matter where you're at this week, I can say to you, the peace of Christ be with you. Would you pass that peace to those around you? Good morning, my young kids street friends. Come on up and join me here. Come on up. Who do we have here? Yes, come on up. Good morning. All right. You're going to sit there. Okay, come on up. So happy to see you this morning in person. And I know you're smiling even if you have a mask on. I can see it in your eyes. I see it. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with you. Want to try that one more time? People, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Great. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. I'm John Vriesma, an elder here at Pleasant Street, and happy Father's Day again to all of you fathers out there. I'd like to begin with a short passage and a short prayer about fathers and God our Father. From 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. We have a great Father in heaven who loves us, And we earthly fathers are to strive to be models of love like that as God loves us. Would you pray with me, please? Loving Father in heaven, you are a great and compassionate Father. You love us. You watch over us. You have a plan and a future for us. You provide for us. You protect us. And you forgive us. Bless fathers here today and online, Lord, that we may be imitators of you. Help us to love our families with a self-sacrificial love and to lead our families to walk in your ways. Lord, when it comes to commitment and love, 
We celebrate with Steve and Karen as they have reached their 42nd wedding anniversary and to Bernie and Minnie their 60th wedding anniversary. We just praise you for that, for 100 years of dedication and care and love and commitment. Father, we congratulate them and we give you praise. Thank you for sustaining them over all these years. And Lord, we also praise you for Ellie's recent birthday as well. What a a great milestone. And we just praise you for that. And Lord, we ask your continued blessing on her. And Lord, we thank you for all those who have recently joined our church. May this be a place for them of learning about you and a place to serve you with the gifts that you have given them. Lord, we ask that you bless the leadership of our church. Help us to immerse ourselves in your word, to listen to you and to lead well. Help us to make wise decisions and to care well for our members and to build your kingdom. Father, we have several members who need your loving care. We ask your continued blessing on Brian and Carol and Mark and Len and Henny and Hank. Lord, just bless them through their procedures and their treatments and their recoveries. And Lord, may they know your presence and your peace and your healing hand. We ask, Lord, that you bring your comfort and wisdom to one of our missionaries, to John Berthollet and his wife, Carol, as they make decisions about his mother's health. These are tough days to watch her health fail. Lord, let them know your love and your assurance and give them wisdom. And likewise, Father, we ask that you be with Darren and as he and his family have decisions to make about their mother and stepfather and with their living situation, we just ask your blessing and your wisdom for them, Lord. Father, we praise you for the graduates that have um, recently in the last month completed schooling. Father, bless their plans, whether it is for more school or whether it is looking for work. Father, we just ask that you would carry them and they would know your plans, they would trust in you. We thank you, Lord, for their accomplishments. And Father, we look forward to hosting Serve at Home here, August 4 to 8. Be with all who are working on and planning the details and all who will participate. Prepare hearts to be willing to serve joyfully and energetically. And may it be a time of great unity and love for all involved. Father, we thank you for this day, this great gift from you. May we hear you speak to us today through litanies, prayers, our sermon passage, Psalm 13, through the sermon that we listen to, through the words of songs that we sing. Father, open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts today as we trust in you, our loving, caring, and wise Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And in a move of great efficiency here, I get to also read Psalm 13. So, Psalm 13, for the director of music, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. 
and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. This is the word of the Lord. Good to be with you and to see you today. Would you pray with me? Oh God, in the silence here gathered in your presence, The words of the Psalms echo through this room, and they resound in our hearts. Like you came to your disciples on the road to Emmaus and explained how all of the scriptures pointed to you, we ask that you would come now and walk with us as we walk through the words of Psalm 13. Help us to know how they point us to you. Amen. This summer we are looking at the Psalms in our worship together. Here at Pleasant Street, one of the things that we value and believe is that our worship is formative. What that means is that there's some things that we do over and over again in church that never change, like the Lord's Supper or communion. That's not the kind of meal you can ever take just once. (laughs) And so we do it regularly. We do it often. And when we do, we use some of the same words every time. Why? Because we are the ones who need to change. We don't form the words, they form us. Worship is formative. But we also believe here at Pleasant Street, and we value that our worship would be expressive. And so the words that we sing and say should express what it is like to be in relationship with the living God. That's one of the reasons why we are exploring the Psalms together, because the Psalms express what it is like to follow and to belong to God. Well, some of the Psalms, like Psalm 1, which we looked at last week, well, they they express what it is like to be in the groove, in the pocket in our life with God. The Psalm scholar Walter Brueggemann said that the Psalms of orientation are about knowing that life makes sense, right? That God is well-placed in heaven, presiding, but not really bothering. He said that we all yearn to be able to say that God is good and life makes sense, and we know exactly what God is up to. 
I don't know what you think about this, but Brueggemann also said that even though we yearn for orientation, to be able to say those kinds of things, it doesn't actually produce much prayer or a good song. And yet, quote, orientation is the mood of much of the middle-class American church. That's pretty challenging, I think. Don't you? I mean, Brueggemann is saying that with our words to God and also to each other, mostly we hang out around management language. Mostly on Sundays, we hang out around words like, the good guys get what they deserve, and the bad guys get what they deserve, and everything's mostly fine. Maybe that's okay, but it's not where the Psalms hang out. A lot of the Psalms hang out on the edges of life, not in the middle, but on the edges a place where maybe five steps you can take to get God to bless your life doesn't work. The Psalms hang out around some very difficult and thorny questions. Questions like, How long, Yahweh? Will I ever hear from you again? Questions like the ones that Psalm 13 hangs out around today. To tell you the truth, this psalm was very difficult for me this week. Because the more that I spent time with it, the more it pushed me to the edges of my own life. Which happens to be where my questions are. There was a time not so long ago, probably May of last year, when I couldn't handle coming home for dinner. Or rather, I should say, I couldn't handle coming in for dinner because my office had moved from a room in a church full of books that was nice and quiet to my garage. And each day, I sat next to the water heater at a dusty desk. There, in a room that was too cold in the morning and too hot in the afternoon, I tried to pray and to think and to write for people who were living in a world that none of us knew. I spent a lot of time on a computer. All the people in my life were now only as real as the computer-generated avatar that was put in front of me on a program that starts with a Z and ends with a oom. My jaw was sore from clenching my teeth. And in the evenings, the world was so very quiet. Except for the ambulances, which were all too loud and too frequent. And in my soul lived some questions. How long? How long will I feel like I have no idea what I am doing? 
How long until this ends? How long until someone I know dies? Well, on this particular day, I left the water heater, came in through the door to a family full of love, but all I could hear was noise. I felt like the Grinch. You know the scene. All the noise, 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 noise. On that particular night, nobody could sit straight enough in their chair or speak softly enough or politely enough. And then someone spilled their water, which is very normal. But I went nuclear. And I find myself wondering, what's that about? Maybe you do too. That's my story, but perhaps you have one of your own. It's not the Father stays story you were expecting, I'll give you that. Maybe you've noticed that you've been driving like everything is a stock car race lately. Maybe you heard yourself say, a big cut off on the road has always bothered me, but why did I just go to DEFCON 5 over it? Have you noticed that recently you've been spending money freely or not at all? Maybe you've noticed that you're finding it hard to get working each day, or perhaps you can't seem to ever stop? Do you ever find yourself asking, why is it that the people who love me most get the worst parts of myself these days? Or perhaps you've noticed yourself doom-scrolling your Twitter feed deep into the night, and maybe you've heard yourself wonder out loud, how is it that I can be so desperate to stop and unable to look away. Does it seem at all like each article headline you read is proof of another moral transgression by people who are out to get you and ruin the world? Why is it that everybody else's opinion feels to me like a provocation? Friends, did you know that for the last year and a half, a lot of people have found it very hard to pray? What's that about? Maybe we wonder too. Friends, something is wrong. The symptoms are all there. Trouble. Trouble in our public conversations, trouble in our own soul, trouble within, trouble between. Trouble is, we're not quite sure what to name it. The documentary Unrest came out a few years ago, and it's about people who are trying to name their health trouble. Unrest tells the story of people who suffer from a very rare sickness called MECFS. It's notoriously hard to diagnose. In fact, there are some in the medical community who are pretty sure it doesn't even exist. Well, at one point in the film, there's a story about a clinical immunologist named Dr. Nancy Klimas. Hers is a very specialized field. Dr. Klimas spends her time with very sick people who get sick 
And there is no explanation for why. She's the only one at her large, major research university who knows anything about it. Well, one time a patient, a woman, came to see her. She was terribly ill, chronically tired all the time. She'd been put on antidepressants without having any symptoms of depression. They put her on antipsychotics without any symptoms of mental illness. No one knew what was wrong. They just kept throwing things at her. She came to Dr. Klimas desperate. She begged her to just please look at my immune system. And so Dr. Klimas ran everything that she had. She gave her the whole nine yards. Four weeks later, the patient came back. I'm sorry to say it, Dr. Klimas began, but there is something terribly wrong with you. Your immune system is terribly sick. The woman burst into tears. But they were tears of joy. What's that about? Well, this woman had been told by absolutely everyone who knew her that nothing was wrong with her and it was all in her head. She had to work harder. She just had to get over it. She just had to eat better. She just had to exercise more. She just had to go back to work. She just had to stop working. She just had to stop thinking about it. She just had to help someone else. She just had to take control of her life. But here was Dr. Klamis telling her that something was very, very wrong with her. And she was absolutely thrilled. Why? Because she knew that her trouble was real and that it had a name. I happen to be married to a deeply insightful woman. And since that night when I lost it at the dinner table, Diana has offered a spiritually perceptive diagnosis. She once said, I've noticed that sometimes you try to micromanage the kids. I wonder if that's because you feel so out of control in your life. In March 2020, my world, the world, the predictable and regular world, the only one that I knew and that I was very happy with, came to a shuddering and violent stop. I did not choose it. I did not want it. I could not control it. And I did not know how long, how long, how long, how long it would go. I was disoriented. But I did not realize how much that affected me. Disorientation happens to be something that the psalmists are very familiar with naming. The psalmist here, and I will refer to her as she, she names it in the form of questions. Psalm 13 begins with five unanswerable questions, questions that the disoriented might ask. How long, Yahweh? 
Will I ever hear from you again, or is it going to be forever? How long will I have no idea what you are up to? How long will my mind and heart go to dark places? How long will my enemy be the only thing that I can ever think about? They are five impertinent questions. Notice there is no, pardon me, Yahweh. There is no, I know that you're good, but. There is no prayer of adoration. There is just, how long, Yahweh? There are five questions. But did you notice that none of them are why? None of them are why, God. That's interesting. Why? is something that sometimes you say when you aren't sure about God. Why is a little like, do you even exist? But the psalmist asks, how long? And she uses, did you catch it? She uses the special church name for God. How long Yahweh? Not how long Elohim? Not how long Adonai? Not how long El? She knows that God is out there, and she knows who God is. These are the five disoriented questions of a believer. (laughs) This is the prayer of a church person. You know what else is interesting? We have no idea what the trouble is. She doesn't tell us if the trouble has to do with the world around her or her own life or with someone that she knows and loves. And that is very good news for us because it means that, that rather than get stuck in evaluating whether or not this is warranted for her to say this, what we can do is just bring our own trouble with her. We can bring ours too. She doesn't tell us what the trouble is, but what she shows us is that whatever the trouble is, whether it's big or small, whether it's within or between, It has everything to do with God. Whatever the trouble, the trouble is that God seems busy doing something else. How long will you ignore me, Yahweh? Is it going to be forever? Honestly, this is not something we are accustomed to saying in church. We sing... Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us forever and ever, forever. Today she sings, Forever God, you're silent. Forever is too long. Forever God, I'm waiting. Forever and ever, forever. It might be significant that we never hear that one on the radio. But how we wish that we could. How we wish that we would sometimes. Because that is the song that expresses sometimes what it is like to follow God in a dangerous world. That is the song that at least some of us might have needed to sing sometimes in the last year. Because that is some of what we have been experiencing since the world as we knew it broke. Since time started to feel like a force that was wearing us down with its inevitability. How long, Yahweh, 
we all know what it is like when time is agony and God is busy doing something else. So the chemo patient sits in the comfortable chair while the cold drip fills his veins. How long, Yahweh? How long must this infusion poison me? Will I ever have hair again? The grandparent sits at home with only pandemic news for company, which is not much. The kids and grandkids are only three towns over, but they might as well be on the other side of the country. How long, Yahweh? Will I ever hug my family again? The child sits in front of the computer screen while her teacher desperately tries to get the class to care. How long, Yahweh? Will I ever go to the park with my friends again? Meanwhile, on the other side of the screen, her teacher asks, How long, Yahweh, will the school board ever stop throwing me under the bus for its inability to adapt to a pandemic? And the parents ask, How long, from the other room, how long, Yahweh, will I be able to juggle work and family in the same house without a break all year? How long? And you don't know the answer, but you're not asking for information either. You're not asking Yahweh for a timetable. You're asking because that is what you do when the world falls apart. You ask, how long, Yahweh? Well, but for how long do we ask how long, Pastor? As long as it takes. Sometimes a long time. The psalmist asks these questions because she trusts Yahweh. And because she knows that the trouble in our lives will fester and it will sour and it will come out sideways until we learn how to speak the trouble to God. Everyone wants normal, but nothing is the same. We all want to go back, but we have changed. And we have all kinds of trouble. Great and small, ordinary, extraordinary, broken bones and broken systems. What Psalm 13 gives us is a way to turn all of it up and address it to God. Psalm 13 gives us language for when life has gone beyond our frail efforts to control things, and they are frail. Speech addressed to the Holy One who holds all things in His hands. These questions addressed to Yahweh eventually, for the psalmist, give way to three very simple requests. We do not know how long she asked how long, but we do know at some point there was a shift. And she moved to a place where she could boil it down to three things. Look at me, Yahweh, instead of ignoring me. Say something, Yahweh, instead of staying silent. Brighten my eyes where the hopelessness of death will close around me and I will fall and not get up again. And for however long she had to say those three simple requests, somehow those three simple requests turn into four very bold and confident statements. Did you catch that? Somehow, someday, the psalmist was eventually able to say, I trust in your love, O God. 
My heart is actually happy when I think about the ways that you save us. I will sing Yahweh's praises because you have already been good to me. The psalmist ends this prayer promising herself that one day she will sing a different song because God will have helped her. In fact, she's convinced that God already has. How? What did God do? We don't know. How the psalmist was able to get there, we don't know. We don't know what the promise of God that God brought to mind for her was. We don't know how God delivered her from her trouble, but for those of us who pray this psalm on the other side of Jesus, we know how God will deliver us. We see how he already has. For in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying trouble. You better believe it's trouble. Serious, deathly trouble, trouble to his heavenly Father. Father, please let there be another way. Please show me that we can do this together some other way. Please take this cup from me. But Jesus is not delivered from his trouble. Instead, he goes to a troubled cross. His friends abandon him. and His enemies are triumphing over him. And he stumbles and they laugh. And on that cross, Jesus, who always knew how to reach his Father in heaven, cannot find him. My God, my God, where are you? Friends, at the moment when Jesus is doing the greatest work, he prays abandonment. He quotes a psalm of disorientation. Now on, on the cross, Jesus is experiencing torture, but the psalm that he quotes is not about physical pain. He does not quote a psalm about having enemies he quotes Psalm 22 in just one line. It's the line that speaks of being spiritually abandoned by God. Jesus experiences total abandonment by his Father. He is not heard. Why? So that we who experience a world of thorns and enemies might know that God abandoned God's self so that we might be found so that in our experience of God's silence, we might know that God ignored God's self so that we might be heard. Jesus is abandoned so that when we feel like we have been, we can sit in that space and know that God is there. And so that even as we voice all of our sorrow in God's time, all of our questions and all of our doubts will find their yes in Jesus. And in God's time, we will see that it really is true that yet he has been good to me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you call us to follow you, and that means movement. When you call us by name, we do not always know 
where the call will take us. Sometimes it takes us to the very peak of the mountaintop where you are near and we sense intimately your power and presence. And sometimes we come to the bottom of the mountain where there is only screaming and death and evil. And yet we find that you are there too. And so God, this morning, as we use these words to map our own spiritual journeys, we ask that you would give us eyes that are bright to look into our own lives. Help us to connect words of disorientation to places where there is pain. We ask where there is joy and hope for the future that you would give us words to connect to our hope for a bright, bright future. In all of this, we trust that you hold our lives in your hands and that there is nothing that we have experienced in this life that you are not familiar with. And so we address these things to you, the Holy One, to whom we belong. Amen. We have a chance together to respond to God in song, but some of our younger folks also have a chance to digest some of what we are talking about together through Echo. And so I'm going to let Kate introduce that, and we'll have a dismissal for them. Third through fifth graders, you can join me up here, and our elders that are leading can join me up here as well. And while they're coming up here, I just wanted to share. Somebody said to me, oh, we only have two in that group, and we have a couple more this week. And we actually have 15 in this age group. Four of them are outgoing fifth graders, but I just wanted to share that. And I also wanted to share one more time what our ECHO goals are. Mm -hmm. We help kids authentically participate in the service. We help kids focus on reflecting what they noticed in the service, and we help foster a sense of belonging and relationship with the elders. People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard, plant it deep in our hearts, and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God.
change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never fail me
Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me yet. Brothers and sisters, No matter what experience you brought with you this morning, what is true is that God has turned his face towards you because he turned his face away from his son. And now, no matter what we walk through in this world, he will not change his mind. So friends, as you go, go blessed. I'd invite you to turn your hands and your eyes upward to receive it. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's sing those words. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Sing that again. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
morning and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in the coming and you go Rejoicing, he is for you, 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 he is for you. Let's sing amen, here we go. Amen, amen, sisters, let us go forth to serve the world as those who love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and who are loved by him. Together, thanks be to God. Have a great week.